Hello and welcome to Infra Black Archive, where we look back through Doctor Who's dodgy past, but also quite good past. This episode, we are looking at the War Machines, where machines go to war with the world. And in which case, for us, it's actually happening, because James has got a helicopter which is flying around his house. It has been for the past 10-15 min- minutes, and so we're just having to record with it. Good evening, listeners. Um, I'm reporting to you live from a war zone, at least it sounds like it, because there's been a helicopter flying over here for 15 minutes now, um, which is not ideal if you do a podcast. I actually think it might be fading. I think it has. I think it has, actually. Okay, that's what we need to do. We'll start recording. Fantastic. All we needed to do... So we started recording, listeners, and this helicopter showed up. Hello, welcome back, and it's war on Into the Black Archive. It's the third episode of our season three, which means it's the tenth episode of the BBC season three of Doctor Who, and it's The War Machines, a four-part story all about war and James, machines that do it what? Do you have a plane flying over you? I have a helicopter flying over me, yes. And now we start recording again, and it goes away. It's almost like we had an off-and-on switch for, uh, you know, something with rotor blades. Yes. But yeah, um, it's The War Machines, which is apt, uh, considering what's just happened. Uh, an episode which is a pretty rare one for Doctor Who, in that it takes place in the what was then present day. Well, it's rare for this time, doing because it's the first one which has happened... Actually, I think second one which has happened in modern day for this one we had planet of giants when they're all little and then this one we've also had an unearthly child part one yeah but i'm not can because that's not a full episode is but it yeah really? it's not the yeah. full thing and, and we obviously go to the stone age everything so yeah it's a rare one to see a story modern day and also not you know slightly odd seeing as we've had the whole going small for the last yeah. one this is a story that's much more reminiscent of what you'd actually get on modern who Mm. London, a sort of humanish threat that might be a little bit otherworldly, a little bit worrying. But, but also going into what I imagine at the time, at least, was a real social fear of yeah. what could potentially happen. It was actually this this how this story got written is actually from they're essentially interviewing because um, they were looking for scientific advisors. Um, the guy who had the idea for this this one was essentially thinking was essentially thinking to himself, was asked, what would be the worst thing happen if this, if something like this happened? And this this is what he suggested. He was suggesting if someone got into the phone network and was able to take over the computers and all of that stuff, Kit Pelter. So yes, he was interviewed for it and was what would happen if the post office tower was taken over? And this is what he suggested. Uh, yeah, and they take it very, very literally because the scene or, or the scenes involving this great big supercomputer are from the middle of what we now know as the BT Tower. Yeah, but back then was a post office tower. Yes, which really gets us into the history of London's architecture in general, yeah. but it's a lot to go into. So maybe we should start with the synopsis. Yes, so we no longer have Stephen. Yes, that's something we should address. Uh, but we'll address that in a moment. Let's go in. So Dodo and the Doctor land in Monday, England. They go out, they go to the BD Tower because there's something alien about it, the Doctor reckons. They come across some big machine. It's called Votan. Think Amazon Alexa with brain, mind control powers. Um, so they go in there, they see what's going on. 
uh, dodos get taken over those people get taken over war machines get made the doc can the doctor solve this problem with two new companions polly and ben yes they can and explosions happen votan dies and then we are i mean that's really a synopsis of every doctor who story but with just the details changed uh yeah the war machines is that it's <laughs> it's a classic well not only do we have to say hello to two new characters which we'll get to we've hmm. also got one that we've just said goodbye to and now we've got one we're also saying goodbye to here which so i think changes i think brings us on to the characters and yeah. for departure as well of dodo so shall we start with dodo yeah let's case. start with dodo i know you criticize for how the chase got rid of in and barbara how do you think of they how they got rid of dodo um <laughs> well you know, uh, it's clear that they hadn't planned it particularly well. So what happens with Dodo, listeners, is the supercomputer we're fighting in this episode, Votan, is much like all computers in the 60s, in that it can take over your mind and possess your body. Um, this happens to poor Dodo. And so throughout the sort of end of the first episode and the second episode, she is doing the bidding of Votan. The Doctor sensing that this may be happening, uh, places Dodo under his own hypnosis, yep, stay with me, and puts her to sleep for 48 hours when she is then taken mysteriously to the countryside. That is the last we see of Dodo. And she's never seen again. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> she. We get an offhand comment that Dodo said she'd like to stay in London now. From and, Polly. Uh, from one of the other From Polly, yeah. who has got no reason to speak to Dodo because they've only ever met Dodo once. And then but they're it. friends now. Yeah. It, it's quite... It's such a half-assed ending to a character. It's very rushed. Uh, you could tell that things hadn't properly been planned. It was almost as if Dodo had done the classic thing when you know you have a poor office job, so you time your annual leave to be just before your resignation. Yeah, so her, her contract had ended in episode two. Mm. So they just couldn't be bothered to extend her for two weeks. Yep, they just ditched her. And even then, her role in the episode is so small. Like, she no doesn't actually have really any impact on the plot. No, she could have been anywhere. Because she, Yeah, you carry on. Because her main goal, so to speak, during the episode, was is she got hypnotised with Votan, as James was saying. Then her goal is to get the Doctor to Votan. She failed at this. Doctor realises what's going on, puts her under hypnosis. There we go. She's, then she's gone. Like, nothing here would have changed if she wasn't there. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to, or I'm loath potentially to go back into writing nerdy stuff, but it is just the first rule. If you've got a character, give them a reason to be there, folks. Um, you don't want a character that's there just for the sake of it. So in, the, in those two episodes, Dodo's role is essentially to be mind-controlled. Yeah. And then to have a reason to get her out of the episode almost. She's basically written to be written out. Like, and then she just never arrives again. I'll be completely honest with you. The role which Dodo plays in that first half could have been played by, say, Polly. Yeah, absolutely. It, it could have been Polly. It, it doesn't rely on any of the Doctor's previous history with Dodo. Aside from the beginnings of when they have their conversations. Nothing. It There's not much point there for her. See... If they'd have done it right, 
if you take Dodo out of the picture and it's just Doctor arrives alone, for example, yeah. and then goes up to the tower and meets Polly there or whatever, you've almost got like a Smith and Jones style setup when they meet Martha mm. in that, you know, new companion working in a facility that is about to have something very, very weird happen to it. Yeah. And that's how they meet and everything like that. So there was the potential for that there, but because we're having to deal with not only saying hi to well, two new people, but um, goodbye to another, there's a lot of work that's being done that kind of undercuts the episode because they've got to yeah. do these things and hit these notes. It, it really... I feel like you can either... You have to leave essentially a companion at the start, at the end of an episode. You can't just go. Hmm, maybe now. <laughs> it really was. It was just going. Ah, oh, do it. Yeah. So I mean, there's not even much we can say about her character in this episode because she doesn't do anything. Not in do this anything. episode, but we can reflect on the uh, the the three glorious episodes we had. Well, two and a half. Yeah. Uh, of Dodo. <laughs> Which equally isn't that much to rely off. She seems like a child, very wide-eyed. She was interested by everything. That's about she it. She tried to be funny. Yeah. She managed well, to give... Well, thank every... you very much for the memories, Dodo. That's she... all we need. Got time for. She managed to give an entire spaceship for flu, which nearly killed them all. Yeah, that's how we... It's not been great, has it? No. On, in terms of her track record. A lot of death. But now on to... Two people have got less full intact episodes, Polly and Ben, because it's their only full intact episode we've got of them. <laughs> is it really? Yep. The rest which we have with them is our animators. So I hope you enjoyed their human faces since we won't be seeing much well, of it that again. that was a real shame because I thought, I thought, and I'm disappointed by that, I was looking forward to several episodes, in fact. I think she was really good outside of the whole looks thing. I think she's a very decent character from the off. I think both her and Ben are. I've, yeah. I think they've both got their wits about them. They're, they're essentially, as in some sense, a younger version of Ian and Barbara. Yeah, they're a swinging 60s Ian and Barbara. Yeah, because poorly, Well, um, we sort of had... Ian was sort of like the science computery guy. We've got Polly in that sort of area because she's been a secretary in that sort of industry, so she's going to pick up on it all. Ben's an explorer from the Navy, so he knows how to fight. So we're going to have, hopefully, lots of good adventures with them. Hmm. Not that we'll see many of them. No, not at all. But, you know, it, the potential, phew, fantastic. I think we do see a lot of them just in animated form. Yeah, well, if we have animated, it's fine. Um, yeah. We'll enjoy that. But yeah, from what I saw of Polly, and then we'll get on to Ben. Yeah. I think what, what sets Polly apart, certainly from the other female companions we've had, is that she's the most confident of them by far. She's very assured of herself. Yeah. She does spend half the episode hypnotised, but don't worry about it. The bit before she's hypnotised, she's great. And even then, when she is hypnotised as well, you can see her actively trying to vote for to beat the conditioning, particularly when Ben tries to escape from the warehouse where they're all trapped yeah. in. Yeah, which shows that she's got a strong mentality. Yeah. And is very sure of her own being, which is really good. It, there are good little things they do in the episode to build her up as a character. You know when they're in the uh, bar? I'm going to call it a bar. Yeah, it's sort of like a nightclub area, isn't it? It's like a bar nightclub zone. Um, yeah. She's 
trying to cheer Ben up because Ben is essentially the bar lady just goes, look, it's this d- depressed sailor. He never talks to him. He sits at the corner of the bar. And so Polly is pretty much requisitioned to go over and chat to Ben. Uh, they have a bit of a, a tete-a-tete. And then once Polly kind of tires of his crankiness, um, there's this other awful fella that mm. tries hitting on her and is pretty forceful. And she shows this kind of immediate fight to it. Um, and she doesn't cower. There are just those little things like that where she's fully able to be this very confident, very funny person. And that gives you a lot of storytelling potential later on as well because you've seen all these sides already, so you know that she can go in these places. So are you all ready for the Doctor Who writers just to turn her into some screaming damsel in distress? Absolutely. It'll happen next episode, won't it? Almost certainly. So... Mm. God damn it. was it. good here, though. Yeah, no, it was good here. Damsling at all. What about Ben? I think he's going... I don't think... He's going to be the action man, isn't he? Because that's oh, essentially yeah, all he sure. does. He's the confident action man who likes to get stuck in on things because he's actively volunteering for himself into danger. So I think he's going to be a lot more like that. Well, Ian was sort of action man on the side. I feel like this... Ben's going to be action man front and centre. Yeah, the whole thing is that he's rough and ready. He's got a bit of a... Would you say he's got a bit of a Cockney voice? Yes. Yeah, he he's from the area. He's an authentic character in that sense. He, Like I said, rough and ready is the perfect way to describe him. Yeah. Willing to get in a scrap, but, you know, a genuinely nice guy as well. So the question is, I think, in future episodes, whether they can flesh him out, because there's the signs of him being a good character are there. But there's less, like Polly's feels already quite defined, there's less of Ben that I can look through and see directions for him to yeah. go in in future episodes. I think they can find it, but... I've, I think yeah. it's because with, with Polly, at least, they're able to set up, sort of, sort of like set up a world around her. We know how she worked. We know where she worked. We know her relations before going to the Tardis. Well, Ben, we essentially just get to... Oh, look, there's a guy by the bar. Yeah, he's introduced almost cold into Polly's world, which doesn't help him. Yeah. But it does help Polly because that's the way it's positioned. I feel like it would have been a lot better if they had already known each other. I think that would have given him a lot more opportunity to have sort of like a set character within him so we we know all of his personality traits a lot more faster. I agree with that, but I quite like the way they do meet as a scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because they immediately have this back and forth, and that's good because it will give you an idea of the relationship between the characters. Yeah. What I do worry about is that Ben would would kind of become one track with Polly and just kind of pine after her, Mm. which I don't think would make for a particularly dynamic relationship between the two. Yeah. Because that kind of is what you feel. You know, there's a point where Ben is um, in a warehouse and trying to get Polly out unaware that she's been conditioned by mm. our supercomputer computers doing hypnosis hypnosis is an interesting one um <laughs> uh, yeah but he essentially gets himself captured because he's yeah. so desperate to get polly out essentially because he wants a pork um it was also he got told to go out there by the doctor to go and investigate this area not knowing which polly is there yeah but i think one thing to me which makes me their entire meeting feel very unnatural in a sense is 
I don't see why he would be wearing his sailor's uniform to go for a drink. There are a few things like that in this episode yeah. where I think, huh? it, I feel like if they just change that one basic thing, we're being told he's a sailor. We don't need for uniform to tell us he's a sailor. Yeah, that's we, the thing. There's literally a point in the episode, isn't there, where the bar lady goes, oh, it's this sailor. Like, yeah. We know now. I yeah. get show, don't tell, but don't show and tell. <laughs> yeah, like do one or the other show us his assailer or later on in the episode say they bump into him on the streets or when he's going into the taxi outside the inferno club he meets a load of his crewmates yeah there are ways to do it there's ways to which rather than just cramming it down our throat by going there's a sailor which gets set down the bar in his sailor's uniform which he just wouldn't see you know, and that crewmate's idea is actually really very good because that would let you see more of um, Ben's world yeah, as well because there's a lot more. It's a really good idea. Thank you, thank you. As You've said, learned. Yeah, I, I could be a good writer if I could only use grammar properly. <laughs> Just get Grammarly. Grammarly for business. It's my saving <laughs> grace. <laughs> this is not sponsored. Um, no. <laughs> um, so, what so, do you think about the Doctor? Yeah. Last, last but not least, the Doctor. Once again. It's one of those episodes where he goes through the motions because we were talking about this um, in the Gunfighters episode last week. They have ran out of places where Hartnell can go other than being wise, being smart and knowing what to do. There are particular moments in this episode where I feel like it's gotten to the point where we're not let in now on what he's even thinking mm. and we're just kind of told oh yeah he's figured it out because he's the doctor so there i'm going to disagree with you slightly i think okay. which here seeing him interact with the new characters at least we get to see a happy excited doctor willing to explain the world to these characters essentially which which mm. is a lot better than what we've had previously when it's just been known character so it is literally just motion 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 the same thing in now at least here now we've got him bouncing off new characters bouncing off ben ben willing to take the flag for the doctor instead of sending the doctor in i think we yes it is still a little bit stagnant but we're seeing a different side to this stagnant character i can agree with that I think it's good to see new characters with the Doctor because it allows different things to happen because of the relationship between. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we've we've now kind of used this trick because we've gone from Ian and Barbara and then we've gone and got Vicky and then we've got Stephen and now we've got... And then Dodo and now we've got Ben and Polly. Yeah. So the trick has been done before and, you know, it lessens the impact as we go. Mm. So... We've already seen that change take place in other episodes. Yeah. So it's not like this is a sudden now he's this guy. He has been now for about a series. Mm. It's a good way of illustrating it, but it doesn't show that there's more development to go. I oh. mean, we are on the home stretch now, so yeah. it's understandable. He's, I think he's only in three more episodes. Three yeah, more... we're only seeing one of them. No, he's in three episodes of that one story. Oh, right. Yeah. And then he backs off. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have much more. One thing I I I would like if we go more in depth about this later in the story is that I would have liked to have seen Polly and Ben's reaction to the TARDIS in this episode. Yes, I mean this is a big jump to the end uh, yeah. before we do get into the beat by beat. But essentially, because of a gamma in which Ben just happens to be given one of the TARDIS keys, 
um, he realizes once the doctor's gone back in the box, oh, um, I should have given him the key. And then the doors locked and it's like, oh, don't worry, we've got a key. So they open it and they go in the TARDIS, but we don't see the reaction. I've just realized when they got given the key. When did they get given the key? It's like right at the start of episode four, isn't it? So um, um, the doctor gives Ben his cloak and something falls on the floor and Ben picked it up. At the time, I thought it was a production error, which they had kept in. But that must have been him dropping the key. No, that must have been the key, actually. Yeah. I was, I was about to complain and say, we never saw the doctor give him a key. It all just seems a bit of a coincidence. But as you were talking, I just went, oh, wait, that must have been it. Yeah, no, it's looks, it looks well placed. I think it might be a little bit too well based place, considering which we didn't notice and we just assumed it was a production error. <laughs> but I think I think that's just us being experienced Doctor Who watchers now. We just immediately assume something's gone wrong. Yeah. So we'll be discussing the rest of the story in the second half. So come back. So we'll be back in one moment after a word from this made-up sponsor. Will Doctor Who skate this time? By Wool's new shape Skyray with double flavours of raspberry and orange. And you get a free colour picture card. One of a series showing Doctor Who and the Space Raiders battling with Daleks. Free when you buy Wool's new shape Skyray. Only six months. Hello and welcome back. That was a fun ad break, wasn't it? It's definitely not two days later, three days later absolutely not that's the beautiful thing about ad breaks is that they the as long as the ad is on that's as long as we're away yeah that's that's how time works it definitely isn't it is five days and i've gone through all the numbers i can think of <laughs> i think it's four actually four so for one number i didn't say cool so we're going now to talk about what happened in the war machines so beat by beat all the way from the development of war to the conclusion of war uh, quite a lot happens in this episode or this story. It, it's one of the ones which feels really nice and contained. It's as four-parter, but you constantly feel like you're going, which is a common thing with all four-parters. You don't really feel like there's a break. Aside from the arc in that last episode when it just kind of died. Yeah. I think the thing about it is if you combine the four parts in terms of the time, then it's about 100 minutes, which is about the length of a feature film. Yeah. So if you think of it like that, you know, a feature film has a natural pace, usually. And really, all the four-parter is doing is following that kind of pace, but you're just throwing cliffhangers in here and there just to make it conform to the weekly. Yeah. So I think it really works in this time frame. Yeah, whereas for how they do two parts, at least, most of the time, just feels like they've tried to do what you've just said, sort of like a film sort of timeline but then shove it in two parts and it just doesn't work. You end up with a disjointed story, which makes no sense. Yeah. You either try to overstuff it and then everything moves too quickly, or you think, oh, we've only got two parts and you don't put enough in there. Yeah. And it all feels like filler that isn't that doesn't really have a point. I feel like the only one which really did it at least kind of well is for Rescue. Rescue is okay as a two-part. It's the best one we've had. Yeah. It's about well-paced enough. Where it was okay. But yeah, four parts, I think, is about right for who in this era yeah. is where you usually get the best stuff. Um, so starting off with episode one of four, um, this is all just kind of, it's a mix of building up the threat we've got, but also bringing Doctor Who into, for the first time, literally since the first episode, 
modern present day Britain. Yeah, because we've never because this episode takes in place in what would be at the time modern day Britain, nineteen sixty six, in London. So the TARDIS lands, Dodo and the Doctor come out. The Doctor puts a sign up saying, out of order, to try to stop the policeman coming in. Uh, Yeah, which is a perfect way of setting us up, actually. Just into, we're in the real world, where police boxes are real things. Obviously not now, but back in the 60s they were. Can I just say as well, even though they they can't use... Every single time they've got this, I mention it, for cutaways. Mm. It's so much better... When they use cutaways, just to add the atmosphere, even though they they still seemingly can't record audio on, on the cutaways for outside recorded segments on film, just how they do it, sort of like having the backdrop of where they are in the studio, then instrumenting talk over that stuff. That really just adds build a picture of where we are rather than just going into a studio. Well, that's really the point of a cutaway is to add scope to what you've already got and add surrounding. What I really like about the way they use the cutaways in War Machines, particularly in episode uh, one, Mm -hmm. is they establish this really good edit pace, which I know is a very nerdy point to make, but it gives the whole story like this real kick of momentum. So you feel like everything's always moving because a cutaway just sort of brings, we're going to a new place. This is London. This is now. We are here. This is a story that could plausibly happen now. And that's everything that's being set up is as i was saying though they don't have any audio recording there so they having to use tricks essentially to get the audio on location so they're essentially mm. having a cutaway and they essentially rebuild the outside area where they are so like they landed outside a park was where they landed so they had the outside they had the park on the outside and then we come into a close-up which is just the set which is built up to replicate that park area which is really yeah which is really overcomplicated way of doing it, but it works. It is, but it's clever still. Yeah. It does the job, and it. what's good about it is that it does a really good job of inserting the Doctor and Dodo and everything that's going on, and it makes it feel really plausible, and really, especially by using real locations like the post office tower. Yeah. You know, I wonder how many kids would have been scared of the post office <laughs> tower immediately after this. I imagine it's the same kids who are now scared forever of stone statues. Yeah, it might be. Although I don't think the post office tower has quite the same looming presence as the Weeping Angels, I, if I had to 1v1 them. I imagine it does if you're living directly underneath it. Maybe. <laughs> but would you live directly underneath the post office tower? Are there houses underneath there? I can never remember. Judging by the footage they showed here, I think there was at this time. Whether there still is, is a different question. Yeah, I've I've, ne- I've actually never properly been to where the post office tower is in London. I, I know where it is in the skyline, yeah, but I haven't been under it or been to it. Also, just to quickly clarify something, if people haven't watched this episode, the post office tower is the old name for BT Tower. Yeah, so the one that's all what you always see during like comic relief. <laughs> yeah, so it is generally now used as sort of like a an office for hire whenever a company needs a big thing to show their thingy on, isn't it, really? At least that's what Pretty it seems Pretty much, yeah, it's like for. a big billboard. Yeah. I do think BT own it and they do might do transmission out of it, They, but I can't remember. They do a lot of experiments. Well, experiments, they do sort of a lot of record-breaking for, say, internet speeds. They'll go from directly from the post 
Microsoft Office Tower, BT Tower to a different location. That's normally where you... Mm. If you ever sort of see a report going like, this speed has been broken, we've now up to this speed, it's normally from, say, a BT Tower to a different place. Yeah, so that's its current purpose, but back then, whole different thing. And in this episode, its purpose is for the development of artificial intelligence. Uh, because the Doctor notices something fishy he feels almost in his senses is going on in the tower. So he brings Dodo along to investigate. Can I just and say... And then they are ushered into the top, yeah? That is the worst... Ex- like, I I really do like this story, but that is the worst excuse to get a story going. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like this. It's, uh, it feels alien. It feels alien. Yeah, just just say, oh, that's an interesting new town. I see. I wonder what they're building up there. Then they go up and do it, and they go... Oh, this looks odd. Rather than just going, oh, there's something odd up there. There's something going on. Just... It's not even that. If if you really wanted to do it cheaply, you could get like some passing cyclist with flyers. Yeah. If you really wanted to be like, oh, there's an event going on here, governor, and they go, ooh, artificial intelligence. Particularly since Wotan. Early for this. Wotan supposedly being plugged. Wotan, sorry, it's with a V. Wotan. Yeah, it's with. Wotan is supposedly going to be connected to everything. So you're going to expect there can be some fan for that. There's a press conference with an American guy there. So yes, there's going to be yeah, some... Yeah, New York Times. It's an international story is what that sets up. Yeah, there's better ways. Like As I, as I was saying, I like this story, but it is such a bad setup. It's a bad setup, but you know what's even worse than the setup? What? It's the fact that the Doctor and Dodo just, just walk into the office. Well, they obviously had um, the paper... They didn't have psychic paper in 66. The doctor hasn't mentioned it, but how do you know he didn't have him off camera? <laughs> we can't we can't say off camera. <laughs> they hadn't even they hadn't even thought of the concept of psychic paper in 1966. Yeah. It wasn't even a dot in their minds. And they they arrive at the post office tower where seemingly the most advanced artificial intelligence in the world ever is being developed. They just go. Ah, certainly. Why don't you go straight yeah. up to it and have a look round? If how this story starts off is questionable, but at least this he didn't use the the standard Doctor Who plot point of how Do- Doctor gets into an odd place around this point, which is the Doctor comes across someone who was murdered and he just takes their place. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's been ha- that's happened so many times. They're just going, ah, it must be you who has done murder. It's like, what? Yeah. So at least we're not using that. We're just not questioning it. We're just going straight in there. Yeah. So okay. Once the script has dragged us all kicking and screaming into the plot, um, we get up to the office and we meet uh, Wotan and Wotan's. Wo- yes, Wotan. It's spelt the W. They do it the German way. I do not know why. Um, so Wotan's whole shtick is that. The computer knows everything, including things that couldn't possibly be known by humans in 1966. For example, they, um, Votan knows what the name TARDIS stands for. Essentially, I think this is what I love about how high-tech they suppose this computer is. Up until this point, which you're mentioning now, when they're just asking him questions, he's essentially a massive Alexa. Yeah, big, big Alexa, but just sort of faxes out your answers rather than speaks. Yeah, but we later find out he can speak, but so I don't quite know why they didn't just go with that, which would have been a lot more broadcastable. But <laughs> Yeah, they start with faxing when speak. Also, how does a human in 1966 develop a hypnotising robot? There's, there was aliens involved, a doctor felt it. Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Thank God he felt it, because I didn't see him. Yeah, no, it's... 
but the main thing is, once we get up there, that's where we meet Polly. Yes. Who is one of the big introductions to this episode. She's a typist up there. And for whatever reason, Polly and Dodo end up going to this bar. Yes, they go to a nightclub. For Dodo wants to see the nightlife of the area, I think, is what, what it was kind of like, wasn't it? Dodo wants to see the nightlife of the area. Dodo, I swear Dodo is from London yeah. in the present day. She's seen the nightlife of the area. It's her area. Yeah. It, yeah. Dodo wanted time to relax. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's like that's like me <laughs> coming up to somebody and saying, I really want to see Cameo again. Yeah. <laughs> Did I really miss it that much? Yes. Um, it's been over a year, James. <laughs> I don't miss it. That's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, well, no. It's been 16 months. I do not miss it. Um, but it gets us on to the next part of the story. So they go, they essentially go in the office. Doctor does his standard, just flocking around, asking questions, being amazed, but also mildly terrified of this new thing in front of him. And we meet the, the person who's in, in charge, Brett, and the major, who's sort of like his guard. And... Then we meet Polly. Polly takes Dodo out for a drink where they meet a grumpy old sailor, which I think we've previously mentioned how his setup is so bad. Yeah, he just arrives, sailor outfit. We did have a chat about that earlier. And then there's the whole thing, um, which again we mentioned earlier, where Polly kind of gets accosted by that awful guy and has to stand up for herself. And so that's really the the kind of setting of the episode. So that's every all the pieces are laid out. And then what kicks everything in motion is that all of a sudden, Brett is up in the office with Votan and he feels something inside him that compels him to, to turn around. And he says, well, this can't be. This can't be possible. He turns around, he looks at Votan, and all of a sudden, he is Votan. But, or controlled by Votan. But before that, we've got the stereotypical swirl on the camera. Yeah, they literally did the swirl. They they weren't messing about when they said hypnosis. It's hypnosis. Yes. I still don't mind this term. I know you don't like it. I still I still quite like it. It's just I don't mind the term hypnosis. No, not the term, I mean I... the this story setup. Oh no, yeah, I, I'm fine with the setup. I don't mind the idea that a computer could hypnotize people. It's science fiction. I just think could you have done something more? If you were going for the present day thing yeah. and setting it right now in the present day, wouldn't you do something that's a little more plausible than hypnosis? I think uh, I think we need to cast our mind back to 1966 where no one really had, at that time, really had access to a computer. So it was still, still a very mysterious thing which no one really knew the limits of. And I imagine there were worse like there are now with, say, 5G and all that stuff, that every time there's new technology, there is irrational fears about what that can and cannot do. Like, I can remember... Like, you have all those stupid things, like that image, which, oh, if you see this image, it will haunt you for the rest of your life, and all that stuff. Like, we still get, we still get it to some extent, and people still believe it. Mm. And I'll think of that, but with computers being a complete unknown, I can very easily see how something like this would have been something which people would enjoy. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, and at the end of the day, like I said before, it is sci-fi, so you can go ahead and do whatever you want. And the setup, once you get outside of the context to it and whether it makes sense or not, is quite fun. Because you get to see... 
for a start, it's good for the actors because they get to play around being a bit robotic, um, especially Dodo's uh, actor Jackie Lane, because Dodo is pretty much the next person to get swapped over, unless it's Crimpton. No, if I remember correctly, it is um, Brett Major. Oh, yeah, the Major as well. They get Dodo from on a phone from the nightclub, which, again, would never happen because it would be a mobile phone, but, you know. Um, mm. And then I think... Yeah, because at this point, then, the Doctor goes to the press conference. Yes, which kind of goes on without Brett, and then towards the end, Brett storms in, really, (laughs) very coldly, and pulls Crimpton out out of nowhere. And then the Doctor's like, well, what's going on with um, Brett there? And that's where we meet Sir Charles, who I'll say is one of my favourite side characters in Who so far. He is. Because he's so stupid. Yeah, he's one of those typical stupid members of authority, which... Doctor Who in particular likes to have is that stupid person in authority who just doesn't believe what's going on around him despite how obvious it is. It almost feels like a proper send-up of... um, Because you have to remember as well, like we say with the 60s, at that time the sort of the idea of aristocracy and um, heritage and peerage was still big Uh in England in the 60s. And And Charles Summer is really the perfect embodiment of that guy who's probably not worked a day in his life come from a sort of noble line of some kind and so lives as just a sir as like a person who's known for being an important person yeah i think he's a civil servant isn't he yeah a civil servant that that would make sense just something that gets you in there but yeah he's it's pretty much a send-up of authority figures yeah so at this press conference we learn about the wotan plan about for pl- well for plan for humans have for Votan, which is essentially to connect it up to every major city computer, every major sort of like city base. So they've got um, Washington up there, got the White House, and they've got other places as well. Hmm. Which could argue currently does happen, but it's just not talked about but you, you'd hope which there'd be a lot more sight a lot more proving which this thing this brand new thing wouldn't cause massive catastrophe which it obviously did going into it yeah so obviously that's the humans plan for votan but the main thing we're focusing on is votan's plan for the humans which is um sort of vague it, to be honest it's kind of just votan has decided humans are not good well off you go. <laughs> yes, um, Votan considers humans be inferior and believe that machines will be the next generation to rule the earth. Yeah, which again plays on the plays on those kind of fears at the time. And so Votan's first method is to start hypnotizing people to do the computer's bidding, mm. and then the second method is to start building stuff, which is really where we get to by episode two. Now we're building stuff on. Mm-hmm. Yes. So just to quickly say as well. We then get someone else hypnotised, um, Crimpton, who we're led to believe is an electronics engineer, who goes, who essentially gets dragged by Brett into the thingy, who doesn't want to be hypnotised, unsurprisingly, but subdues, mm, gets, but you know he does gets dragged in anyway, to the conspiracy. Um, at this point, the f- the three three humans have all get given their tasks. The Major will be building the war machines. Um, Brett will stay and be the controller of everyone, essentially. And Dodo 
and Crimpton will get the Doctor because the Doctor is vital to their plans. Yes, so Dodo in the second episode's main job is to try and get the Doctor involved in the plan. Mm. Um, and this sort of leads us to episode two, a little bit less happens. It's it's more just kind of the build-up of the Votan plan and these war machines being built in warehouses. Uh, but Dodo's main role is to try and get to the Doctor. There is a great moment when the Doctor gets the Votan phone call. Yeah. But before he's able to get sort of taken by it, is able to put the phone down and resist it. Yeah. Time Lord logic will allow it. Um, but Dodo, and this is hilarious, this is essentially what gives her away, Dodo is convinced that it's already happened because Votan just does yeah. that. They can't believe that Votan wouldn't be able to do it on the first go. So she so, essentially gives away the entire plan. Yeah, gives away the entire plan. Strategic points. Uh, you are ready to serve. But luckily for, I think the doctor doesn't really hear. He's too busy, essentially, to get an instant migraine, what it looks like, isn't it? So he's distracted Yeah, he's pain. just got like a massive headache. Yeah. But can I just say, this is one part of this story which does annoy me. Yeah. So we set up the fact which Votan needs the doctor to finish their plan. They need the doctor to finish the plan. So they get everyone on trying to get the doctor. But then we get rid of then Dodo, then at this point gets unhypnotized and gets sent off to a country and we never see her again. But then goodbye. This entire section of Wotan's plan to get the Doctor essentially is never mentioned again. No, it's just kind of vaguely said. Oh yeah, Voto could probably use the Doctor because he knows some things, but it's not clear what things would be would be used from him at all. And it's essentially never mentioned again after this scene, which we're discussing. So, it, no, it becomes all about the machines. Really, it feels like this entire thing about getting the Doctor is just to keep Dodo busy and give her a reason to be on on screen for that last episode, for that second episode. Yeah, and then once that plan doesn't work, and Dodo's Dodo going, is carted off to the countryside like a child in the Second World War, and we never see her again. We never see her, and we never see this plot point again. No, it's just, yeah, it's completely dropped, because at this point the whole story um, shifts to be entirely about the machines that Votan is building, which is in this warehouse in Covent Garden. And I want to say before we move on to that, warehouse in Covent Garden in 2021 would be something. <laughs> It just shows you how old it, this actually is mm. to think, oh, yeah, it's just a warehouse in Covent Garden. Like now, if you walk into Covent Garden, um, it's nothing but restaurants. And I think Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is near there and a whole bunch of other things. You'd never think, oh, yeah, there was a warehouse here and this was seen as effectively quite run down. Can I say something which I think they do really smart about this warehouse? Yeah. I'm convinced it's all film recorded and as a cutaway. Because if you think about it, you never see anyone in this area talk unless it's on a close-up. Yeah, no, that, that could be possible. So I that could be possible. I think the warehouse was recorded on film, not in the studio. But the way which they've done it is so clever because you, you just don't notice. Yeah, you barely notice. They use other audio that they'll have pulled in from other areas. That, yeah, if they've done that, that's really clever. Because the warehouse is quite a big plot point. What happens is um, after they all go for looking for Dodo in the second episode, so that's the Doctor, Polly and Ben say they're all 
all kind of get together and start looking for Dodo because they can't find her. She's been hypnotized, of course. Um, once they've done that, they try to go home and they end up using the taxi of this guy who, you know, could be homeless, could be not. We're not entirely sure about his origins. He goes to the warehouse seemingly to get some kit where he is accosted by by the entirety of Wotan's uh, uh, hypnotized crew. Yeah. And then that warehouse is where everything is developed. Um, or, well, not everything, but it's one of the key points where they're developing these war machines. And later on in the second episode, the Doctor sends Ben, who has stayed with them, out to investigate, which leads to one of the best scenes. And to attempt to find Polly as well, because at this point, Polly has also disappeared. Yeah, because doesn't Polly go back effectively to her office to check on what's going on? But her office is Votan's office. Yeah, at which point she essentially replaces Dodo as being the hypnotised companion. Yeah, it almost makes you think there was no need for Dodo to... Anyway, um, (laughs) so... So yeah, once Ben arrives, um, he recognizes what's going on because he sees them. He sees the machines do, carrying out tests, yeah, mainly on how to kill people with gas, which completely misses in the test, but yeah. it still passes. Well, this is why I thought it was gas because if it misses, it misses him so far, listeners. It's like. Um, if you've ever played, it's like trying to play Call of Duty and thinking that the way to kill someone is by hitting the the crate As, near them. It's so far. Essentially, away. if you imagine a guy was stood in front of you and you fired off at around forty five degree angle, <laughs> that is pretty much the angle which they miss. But don't worry. Because he died yeah, anyway. He which anyway. is what made me think it was gas. It was just like, oh, it must be like some nerve gas yeah. that cripples whatever. Votan knows about these things. He knows about nerve gas. Yeah. But then this machine which they built is not actually controlled by Votan. It's controlled by the people who are controlled by Votan. Yes. Which just makes no sense. It's really a big fatal flaw, isn't it, of the whole Votan plan where humans are inferior, that Votan relies on the humans to do it. Yeah, like, like, like I can understand them relying on the humans as slaves. That I get. But relying mm. on the humans to give contra- commands to the war machine... Yeah, major, major role. Just makes no sense. If you believe that humans should be eradicated, why are you using the humans so much then? What's so clever about that? Yeah, like, like I understand them being slaves. That I get. But yeah, no. Um, but when when they're in there, um, Ben. Yep, his name's Ben. I've completely forgot Ben's name. <laughs> Yeah, Ben Ben could get out of there, but what holds him back is Polly. Because, of course, having met her for a little bit, and Polly being, you know, a woman in the 1960s, Ben has already decided that marriage is probably what's best for him. So he basically doesn't leave, because he's like, oh, come with me, Polly, come with me, even though she's too far gone and Votan's really got her. Yeah. So so they, they so then Ben gets captured and is working with... and. Nearly gets sentenced to death, but Polly saves him at the last moment, says which they need him to work. Mm. Which which brings us to another massive plot point which annoys me slightly. So yeah. all of that those workers in that warehouse were led to believe have been hypnotized. Yes, every single one. Why don't they hypnotize Ben? Because they need him to work. But they have the hypnotized Don't worry working. about it, Owen. <laughs> Like this is it, such. It makes absolutely no this sense. This is such a good story, but there's just random bits. There are big holes in it. Like 
I can understand for gun shooting off at a different angle. That's a technical fault on Verdane. They just they couldn't record it again. That I understand. Is it because Votan isn't there? Because Votan's not not there, is he? But he, he Votan wasn't there to hypnotise Dodo because they did it via the phone. They, Votan wasn't there to hit, at least fail to hypnotise Yeah, but it came doctor. from a direct link to Votan, right, still, because the phone was being rung from the office Votan was in. Yeah, but then... So maybe they didn't have a phone. Maybe they didn't have a link. I am really clutching at no, straws they, to justify they had, this. They had a phone there for Votan, for Brett at least, via, Votan via Brett to contact Major in that same place. Mm. So they, they they had a connection. Oh no, they did have a phone. Yeah, right. In that case, there's absolutely no defence for it. No. I don't know why they don't hypnotise him. No, it's purely just there for a plot point. It's what... and then and then Polly even doing that is completely out of nowhere because it implies that Polly's mentality is so strong that she has the capacity to be able to uh, remember things, even though Votan has con- taken full control of her mind. To be fair, that is then later followed up because Ben escapes because Polly lets him escape. So this is then brought up, mm. which Polly is sort of breaking through for hypnotism slightly, which is hinted upon later on, which does make sense for the story. It makes sense for the story, but but why would... If she could do it, why can't other people do it? Becomes the question you then ask logically. Because her connection to Ben after that one night of the, the nightclub was just so strong. <laughs> so strong, yeah. It's It's the classic... Boy meets girl, and boy and girl immediately forget the fundamental well, laws of logic and physics. At least it's not as bad as closing time when James Corden stops being assimilated to be a Cyberman because of love of his child. Well, I mean, the entirety of Harry Potter story is predicated on that, so I ain't criticising that. <laughs> so... Yeah, so Ben escapes, go back to the doctor, they start to work out what's going on. And what they figure out is going on is that Votan is engineering this deadly war machine plan. Uh, He's going to release them all around London uh, and they will kill indiscriminately with their gas by shooting 45 degrees away from people. Um, And everyone will die um, so that the machines can take over. Of course, this is stopped. But how is it stopped, Owen? So... Our amazing, um, our amazing civil servant friend Charles Summer gets the army to go down to Covent Garden to stop the war machine. Unsurprisingly, this fails because due to some sort of magnetic field which the war machines have set up around their location, no more guns can be fired, or bullet and explosions can't happen. So they can't this destroy is the war machine. Correct. We can ignore that. Ignore him. He 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 doesn't believe Votan. Um, um, but then they realise. Doctor realises there's a fatal error in their code by standing in front of it. It shuts off. It turns off. Yes. All all you all he needed. See, that's the approach I usually take when threatened with death, is to stand in front of the death thing. And just hope it has an error in its programming. Yeah, yeah, because if you stand in front of someone someone, and you say, don't kill me, even though they've got a gun to your head, they usually just go, oh, I guess I can't. I just wish there's ways they could have explained that. It would make sense, but they just didn't go for it. 
Mm. Like they could have said, oh no, it it wasn't fully set up to go outside for range of the warehouse. Mm. Which would sort of make sense with wireless transmission. You could say it's gone out of wireless transmission range instantly. That is kind of understandable. But they go. Yeah, I mean, the doctor's technique later on is obviously to use a magnetic field of his own. Yes. To counteract it, which makes perfect sense. They've already got that in place. Yeah. So we stop this for first one in Covent Garden going out. And then they realize there's more and they need to capture it without breaking it. So they go to a different mm. location. But as you say, they capture it by a magnetic field. Yeah, which, which, makes, it t- which makes sense if you could sort of unblock a, a magnetic field with your own then that makes perfect sense and that's a war machine captured and then that's basically the whole role for the rest is that once that captured everything really begins to fall apart very quickly yeah so this is when ben comes in as well this is when ben plays another active role because ben's actually really active in this story in mm. the second half because he's the one who went to explore and discover warehouse he is then f- the doctor was initially going to so they've got massive cables put the magnetic field around Ben volunteers to put himself in harm's way instead of a doctor. Yeah. Uh, we capture it and then we reprogram the war machine to go back to the post office tower where we're led to believe Polly and everyone else is to go explode, 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 explode times. And the amazing thing about that still remains how did they get that in the lift? I, I still say goods lift, stock lift. Those things are big. Yeah, it does just kind of go, though, from ground floor to we are at the top of the tower. Yes. It's just like a war machine has got here. Don't question it. It's here. It's coming. And that's, to be honest, once we describe it like that, you realise that there's a lot of setup for this episode, but then not a lot actually happens in the last two episodes. It's kind of just we watched the plans to stop them be carried out and thought about. And apart from that, not a lot is happening. Everyone gets unhypnotised because... Yeah, but and Dodo is still in the country. Despite that, I I still like this episode. No, I still think it's good. What did you think of the ending? Was it an all right ending or bad ending? It's what in terms of like Ben and Polly, or in terms of the whole in thing? terms of the whole thing, in terms of the scenario, in terms of the whole thing. I think it's one of those again where there have been a lot of Who episodes where they set up a good episode four, but then they kind of realize they haven't got much time, and so they find quick ways to solve things. Yeah. The solutions aren't bad or anything. It just felt a little bit quick. And and that's not a big criticism because Dalek Invasion of Earth, which is our favourite one so far, has a similar thing. Yeah, like everything, the way which they all end it makes sense within the story. It just happens a bit, a bit fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it rushes along. And in about five, six minutes, you've gone from threat to everything's fine. Yeah. But then once the threat is taken care of, we go along, explode Votan, um, to never be seen again, or is it? Mm. Ooh. 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 Will it be discovered Ooh. again later on? We... <laughs> Who can know? Who can say? It does. Um... <laughs> it's in one of the um, Big Finish audio dramas with Torchwood. Oh, that's um, it. We then go to the TARDIS web, where Polly and Ben say goodbye to the Doctor. But like we said before, because I know we mentioned this the first half, Ben has a TARDIS key, which he's picked up out of his out of the Doctor's coat. Yes, which... 
So they say goodbye, they start going away. Ben realises they've still got the key and they need to give it back to the doctor. So they turn around, see if the doctor's gone. It's going into the post box. So Ben goes... Please box. Please box. They go inside for post box. <laughs> Have you something? Royal Mail Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, they go go along, they, they realise it's locked, they go to open it with a key, they go in there and then it takes off. And that's really where we leave it. Um, no, oh my God, why is this bigger on the inside moment? Just Ben and Polly are on the way. And the first episode we'll see of them is the last episode we'll see of The Doctor, but that's next season. No, not last. There's two more episodes of Doctor. One just doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, the next episode, we see them in. Yeah, so you're just saying them, which we don't see the inside yet. Yeah, no, this the first story, aside from the one-parter for Mission to the Unknown, whatever it's called. Yes. Which doesn't show any of the in- TARDIS interior. No, it doesn't. The whole story, yeah. you're right. So there you go. Straight out the TARDIS and straight in. What, I wonder if there was something wrong with the set. Uh, probably spacing, because they only mm. had one one set, so they had to build the TARDIS sets in a different in a corner of it, but then that then took up a load of room. But here they obviously had lots of different sets they needed to be using. So Yes, they just decided to take it out. I mean, it doesn't affect the story, really. No. Uh, and that is that is it. That is the War Machine. So what did you think about this on the scores? I think it's a good solid eight. Things an eight. I think it's got too many problems being nine or a ten. The ones which we've sort of oh, mentioned. Yeah. There's too many things which don't a hundred percent make logical sense. But this for first. This is honestly, aside from Dalek Invasion, this is honestly the first one where I generally just enjoyed watching it. Wow, it was quite that's a, good. That's a big stamp of approval. It's, it was quite. It was quite fun to watch. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a great review. That's definitely finishing top of uh, your series ranking, yeah. then. Ah. I'm going to give this a seven. Uh, reason being, I do think there are a lot of inconsistencies with the plot and logic that aren't very hard to fix. Yeah. So I don't know why they weren't. I think um, there is definitely a, f- a few lazy moments which they could have fixed, but they just kind of couldn't be bothered. Yeah. But overall, when once you take out some of the iffier moments it's a good story it's got good pace it's it's like owen said it's a very enjoyable to watch and you meet two companions that based on the first story that they've been in have real promise definitely more than steven or vicky or dodo's actually really ever showed in the space of one episode so exciting times lay ahead yes so we'll be back next week with the end of season review because it's been a very quick season yeah, just three episodes. <laughs> the BBC archives delivering shorter series and shorter series as we go. But next next season is essentially all animated. So we can criticise how yeah. terribly animated it all is. Now that is going to be an even more enjoyable production nightmare to, get, to sink our teeth into after, you know, months and months of looking at black and white set making and bad screams. So yeah, so join us next week before that. You can... And you can do that by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. That was such a horrible link-in, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> and and if you want to talk to us about um, the War Machines or any other Who-related uh, garbage, uh, get in touch with us via Twitter. That's at Black Archive Pod. Or you can email us if you want, um, which is blackarchivepod at gmail.com. Write us essays. So thank you very much for listening and goodbye. 
Until next week, goodbye.